Okay. Next bab. Bab number six. Bab man raja al qahqara fi salatihi. Man, someone who is raja. Raja, going back. Qahqara. Qahqara is to basically move back without turning around. Fi salatihi during his prayer. So for example, if a person is standing in his salah and he has to take a step or two back, okay, uh, in order to continue praying. So for instance, you're praying and then you see that all of a sudden the place where you were prostrating, you know, there's water dripping from the ceiling. You don't know if that water is clean or dirty or what. Now the mat is wet. So you take two or three steps back so that you can prostrate on a clean, dry place. Is that permissible or not permissible? Right? So this is the issue. Remember that this movement, Rajul Qahqara, it does not break the prayer. Okay? Moving backwards does not break the prayer. It would be mubah, permissible, or mustahab, preferred, depending on the situation and need. So for example, you're praying and all of a sudden there's some najasa that falls in front of you. So if you were to take a few steps back, this would be mustahab. In fact, it would be wajib because you should not be praying, you should not be prostrating on najasa, on filth. Right? If a child threw a toy in front of you, many children do that, you know, they just have to come and throw stuff in front of you as you're praying. So, instead of you moving, you know, one piece of Lego and another piece of Lego and, and the third piece of Lego, instead of doing that, you just take a step or two back, again, this would be good. So, this does not break the prayer, it is completely permissible. أو تقدم بأمر ينزل به Or, تقدم He moves forward takes a step or two forward. Why? Biamrin because of some matter, yanzilubihi, that has happened. Meaning, if a person were to take a step or two back, backwards or forwards, because of something that happens, there is nothing wrong with that. What's the proof? Rawahu Sahl ibn Sa'adin anin nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Sahl bin Sa'ad radiallahu anhu related it from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So what is this narration of Sahal bin Sa'ad? The narration of Sahal bin Sa'ad is the hadith in Bab number 3 that we learned in this book about Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu leading the prayer in the absence of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And when the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam came to join the prayer, Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu moved backwards. Right? And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam moved forwards. Right? So did that invalidate their prayer? No, it didn't. So what does this show? It shows that a little bit of movement in salah, a step forward, a step backward, a step on the right, a step to the left, things like that is permissible, right? But what is necessary is that you stay facing the qibla as much as possible. Don't turn your body around, right? So if you have to move to the right to fill in the gap, don't, you know, turn around and walk. Okay? If you have to go backwards, again, don't turn around. Keep facing the qibla and then just adjust yourself accordingly. Let's look at another hadith. حدثنا بشر بن محمد أخبرنا عبد الله قال يونس قال الزهري أخبرني أنس بن مالك أنس بن مالك reported that أن المسلمين that the Muslims بينهم في الفجر while they were in fajr prayer. Yawmal Ithnain on Monday. Meaning on a Monday, while the Muslims were performing Fajr Salah, Wa Abu Bakrin radiallahu anhu 
yusalli bihim and Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu was praying with them meaning he was leading them in salah in the fajr salah what happened fafaja'ahumu an-nabiy sallallahu alayhi wasallam fafaja'ahum suddenly the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam he came and what happened he suddenly qad kashafa sitra hujrati aisha radiallahu anha suddenly he kashafa he removed sitra the curtain of hujrati aisha the hujra the room of aisha radiallahu anha so imagine the muslims are praying behind abu bakr radiallahu anhu it's fajr prayer all of a sudden the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam removed the curtain of the house of aisha radiallahu anha he was inside so he removed the curtain and when he removed the curtain fanadara ilayhim he looked at them he looked at the muslims wa hum sufufun and they were all standing in rows and when he saw them praying like this fatabassama yadhaku he smiled laughing he couldn't help it that view made him smile and it made him laugh so what happened fanakasa abu bakrin radiyallahu anhu ala aqibayhi abu bakr radiyallahu anhu he's leading the people in prayer when he notices the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam is standing here he lifted the curtain he's watching us all of a sudden abu bakr radiyallahu anhu he moved back ala aqibayhi on his heels meaning without turning around he just went back وَظَنَّ أَنَّ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ يُرِيدُ أَنْ يَخْرُجَ إِلَى الصَّلَةِ Why did Abu Bakr do that? Why did he go backwards? Because he thought that the Prophet wanted to come out to perform the prayer. وَهَمَّ الْمُسْلِمُونَ أَنْ يَفْتَتِنُ فِي صَلَاتِهِمْ And the Muslims, they were tested in their prayer. This was a big fitna in their salah. فَرَحًا بِالنَّبِيِّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّمَ حِينَ رَأَوْهُ They were tested with the joy right, of seeing the Prophet ﷺ, meaning they're praying and they know the Prophet ﷺ is looking at them and they haven't seen him for a few days. And remember this was at the end of the Prophet ﷺ's life, so he had been unwell, he had not led them in three days. So now that he's looking at them standing, he's lifted the curtain It was so difficult for them to continue praying. They almost broke their salah. They almost turned around to look at him and they wanted to see him. So what happened? فَأَشَارَ بِيَدِهِ أَنْ أَتِمُّ So the Prophet ﷺ gestured with his hand that أَتِمُّ complete, meaning carry on with the salah, complete the salah. Meaning he indicated to them that he was not going to come and join them. They had to complete on their own. So Abu Bakr continued with the salah. ثُمَّ دَخَلَ الْحُجْرَةَ And then he went back in the hujra, he entered the hujra, وَأَرْخَ sitra, And he let the curtain down, وَتُوُفِّيَ ذَلِكَ الْيَوْمِ And he was taken on that day, meaning he died on that very day. Now, in this hadith, what do we see? This hadith is telling us about the last day of the Prophet ﷺ. Remember that in the life of the Prophet ﷺ, Abu Bakr anhu he led the people in prayer a number of times especially during the last days of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam we learned that a few days before the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam passed away he was very unwell and he had fever he got up to get ready for salah but he was not able to he fell unconscious he got up again and he fell unconscious he asked that water be brought he did wudu but he couldn't complete it and he even asked that water be poured on him 
but he could not prepare himself to go for salah. So then he said that send Abu Bakr to lead the people. Now Aisha radiallahu anha, she was there and she worried for Abu Bakr radiallahu anha because she knew that her father was a very soft-hearted man and he would cry very easily. So she thought that if Abu Bakr is going to lead the salah and he starts crying and the people start crying, right? everybody feels weak, then what's going to happen? So she thought that no, you know, Umar radiallahu anhu should lead the salah because he's a strong-hearted, confident, you know, he's bold, he can handle this. So Aisha radiallahu anha said to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa something to the effect of Abu Bakr won't be able to, but the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa insisted that no, Abu Bakr has to lead the people in prayer. And he got upset with Aisha radiallahu anha and Hafsa radiallahu anha that why were they telling him to send somebody else? So anyway, Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, he led the people in prayer on that day, he led the people in prayer on the second day, and also on the third day. And what we see mentioned in this hadith is what happened on the third day. The people had not seen him, many people had not seen him, many people had not heard him, they had not prayed behind him for three days. Now at Fajr time, what is happening? They're praying, and the Prophet ﷺ, he has lifted the curtain of his room, and he's looking at them, smiling, laughing. You can imagine the test that the Muslims were in. The question is, why was the Prophet ﷺ smiling at that time? When he saw the Muslim standing in rows and praying, why was he smiling? What made him laugh? Hmm? What made him smile at that time? You see, as a leader, like for example, some of you may be mothers, when a mother sees her child doing something independently, without her help, does that make her happy? Very happy, very proud. As a teacher, if you've taught anybody anything, even if you've taught them how to use chopsticks, right? Or how to write something, or how to do something on the computer, and then you see them doing it independently, on their own, without your help, does that make you proud? It makes you very proud. It makes you very happy. Right? It makes you feel that, yes, all of your effort was worth it. You have not failed. You have succeeded. So the Prophet ﷺ had worked so hard, 23 years. And now he saw that the seed he had planted was now grown strong and firm, right? And so he sees the Sahaba praying together, standing in perfect rows. We learn in Surah Al-Saf that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves the people who stand in rows in His way. So this made him happy, Right? As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala promised the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa that وَلَا سَوْفَ يُعْطِيكَ رَبُّكَ فَتَرْضَى Your Lord will give you so that you will be happy, you will be pleased. So this is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala promised him. In the Qur'an we learn the description of the companions. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that وَمَثَلُهُمْ فِي الْإِنْجِيلِ كَزَرْعٍ أَخْرَجَ شَطْأَهُ فَآزَرَهُ فَاسْتَغْلَضَ فَاسْتَوَى عَلَى سُوقِهِ that the example of the believers of the Sahaba in the Injil is like a plant that grows and it becomes strong and it stands on its stem, right, independently and as it stands firm, it pleases the farmers. When you see your plants grow, right, and you see them healthy and, and you know, you see them strong, it pleases you. 
So the Prophet ﷺ, right, he was very happy to see his companions in that state. Now Abu Bakr anhu he nakasa in hopes that the Prophet ﷺ would come and lead the prayer like he would do so before, but this time that did not happen. Right? The Prophet ﷺ told him to continue, and then he put the curtain down. And we learned that after Fajr, Abu Bakr anhu he went to see the Prophet ﷺ in his hujrah, and the Prophet ﷺ was doing very well. And then Abu Bakr anhu he went outside of Medina in order to see one of his gardens, and he had to do some work over there. And the Prophet ﷺ passed away in that time. This is why we learned that when Abu Bakr anhu returned, Right to Medina, the Prophet ﷺ had passed away. People were crying, and Umar who was very furious. Right, so Abu Bakr who came at that time, where was he at that time? He was at his garden. And why did he go to his garden? Because he saw the Prophet ﷺ in the morning doing really well, so he thought he could go at this time. All right, next bab, bab number seven. Bab ida daatil ummu waladha fi salah. Ida daat when she calls al ummu the mother. When a mother calls waladaha, her child, salah during salah. Meaning, a person is praying salah and their mother calls them. So if your mother is calling you while you're praying, what should you do? Should you answer her? Should you break your salah? Should you continue your salah? It depends. If you are performing your fard prayer, then no, you will not break your prayer. Why? Because لا طاعة لمخلوق في معصية الخالق There is no obedience to the creation and disobedience to the creator. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made the salah fard on us. right? So we have to perform the fard. But this does not mean that you let your mother, you know, she's calling you again and again wondering why you're not answering. You should let her know somehow that you're praying. So for example, say subhanallah or clap or something like that. Something by which you would know that you are praying. You can also shorten your prayer. The Prophet ﷺ said that sometimes, you know, I begin the prayer intending to recite a long portion of the Quran, but then I hear the crying of children and I shorten it. So he would intend to perform a long salah, but because of the crying of children, he would shorten the salah. So just like that, if you're praying, you just started Surah Naba and your mom calls you, complete the first few verses and then go into Rukur. Complete your salah quickly so that you can respond to her. But if it is voluntary prayer, meaning something other than fadl, voluntary prayer, then this is something that you have an option, right? You can pray, you cannot pray, you can do it, you can leave it. Voluntary is what you have an option in. So in this case, you can break your nafila prayer, your voluntary prayer, and respond to your mother. But if you know that your mother will not mind, she will be very happy that you're praying uh, your duha, or you're praying your sunnah, or you're praying nafil, then continue, right? And let her know uh, somehow that you're praying, like tasbih, or something like that. What's the proof of this? وَقَالَ اللَّيْثُ حَدَّثَنِي جَعْفَ عَنْ عَبْدِ الرَّحْمَنِ بْنِ هُرْمُزْ قَالَ قَالَ أَبُو هُرَيْرَ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ قَالَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ The Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said, that نَادَتِ مْرَأَةٌ إِبْنَهَا That a woman called her son. وَهُوَ فِي صَوْمَعَةٍ While he was in a sawma'a. What is a sawma'a? A monastery. A place that is built for worship. So this man was in his sawma'a praying and the mother said, قَالَتْ يَا جُرَيْجِ 
She said, O oh, Juraj. So the man's name was Juraj. Qala, the man said, Allahumma ummi wa salati. O oh, Allah, my mother and my prayer. So he's not talking to his mother. He's talking to Allah. In his salah, he says, Oh Allah, my mother is calling me, but I'm praying. What should I do? So he continues with this salah. Right? Qalat ya Juraj. She called him again, O oh, Juraj. Again, qala, he said, Allahumma ummi wa salati. He did not break his prayer. He did not respond to his mother. He was confused. Right? But he just said, Oh Allah, my mother, my prayer. What do I do? Qalat ya Juraj. Again, she said, O oh, Juraj. Qala, he said, Allahumma ummi wa salati. Oh Allah, my mom, my salah. Now the mother got very upset, very annoyed. Qalat, she said, Allahumma, O oh Allah, la yamutu Jurajun. Juraj should not die hatta yanzura fi wajhil mayamis. Until he sees the face of mayamis. Mayamis is the plural of Mumisa and Mumisa is basically a zaniya, a prostitute. So she prayed against her son. She was so annoyed. She said, Oh Allah, let Juraj not die until he sees the face of a prostitute. What happened? وَكَانَتْ تَأْوِي إِلَى صَوْمَعَتِهِ رَعِيَةٌ So there was a ra'iya, ra'iya is a shepherdess, who would come to his sawma'ah. Meaning she would come and rest there. So there was a shepherdess, a woman who had some goats or sheep, whatever, that she would look after. And then as she would watch them in order to rest, she would just rest against the sawma'ah, the monastery or inside or whatever. She would just go there. تَرَعَ الْغَنَمَ who would watch her sheep. فَوَلَدَتْ So what happened? One day, this woman, shepherdess, she gave birth to a child. فَقِيلَ لَهَا So she was asked, مِمَّنْ هَذَا الْوَلَدِ Where did you get this child from? Who's the father of this child? قَالَتْ مِنْ جُرَيْجِ She said, this child is the child of Juraj. نَزَلَ مِنْ صَوْمَعَاتِهِ Who came out of his صَوْمَعَ So basically she said that this child is Juraj's child. Now what happened? Juraj was innocent. He did not do anything. But this woman blamed him. Right? So قَالَ جُرَيْجٌ Juraj said, أَيْنَ هَذِهِ الَّتِي تَزْعُمُ أَنَّ وَلَدَهَا لِي Where is this woman who claims that her child is mine? Where is that woman? So he was angry. He found her. And then when he found her, he didn't even address the woman he said, Qala ya babus. He said, O babus, man abuka. He said to the child, O babus, who is your father? Qala, the baby spoke and he said, Ra'il ghanam, the shepherd. The shepherd is my father. So the boy, the baby spoke, making it clear that Juraj did not do anything wrong. He did not commit zina. Right? It was somebody else. Now this story is a big warning. This man lived in a sawma'a, monastery. He did not live with the rest of the people. He stayed there. He worshipped there. That is all he did. But what happened? He neglected the right of his mother. And so what happened? The mother prayed against her own child because she was very upset with him. And she had a right to do so because she called him three times. Right? Three times. And the son ignored her. And this was not fard worship. This was nafila. 
this was voluntary because you're not required to live in a monastery. It's not legislated. If a person is doing this, he's doing this out of his own will. Right? So it's a choice. So what happened here is that in doing this, he neglected the right of his mother and so the mother prayed against him. Now, we see that when she prayed against him, Allah also responded to her dua. Right? She said that let him not die until he sees the face of a prostitute. And it happened. He was accused for something he had not done, so he had to leave his monastery, go find that prostitute, that woman, right, that shepherdess who would commit zina, and then he had to see that, he had to deal with it. You know, his name was ruined, his image was ruined. He had to see that. But now we see that on the other, while, you know, the mother's dua was accepted against him, he was also innocent, right? He did not deliberately ignore his mother. He was doing something good. So Allah also protected him because of his sincerity. That yes, he did see the prostitute's face, but then Allah also declared his innocence where the baby spoke, right? As Allah says in Surah Zumur, Ayah 61, that وَيُنَجِّ اللَّهُ الَّذِينَ اتَّقَوْ بِمَفَازَتِهِمْ لَا يَمَسُّمُ السُّوءُ وَلَا هُمْ يَحْزَنُونَ That Allah will save the people who have taqwa, He will rescue them. So, Juraj was rescued over here. Now there is a number of lessons in this hadith. Proves that, first of all, if it's nafila prayer, you can break your prayer. If it's fard, then you don't. But then you do, do let people know. That's understood. But a lesson from this hadith is that just because you are religiously committed, does not mean that you are immune to fitna and trial. No, you will be put to fitna and you will be put to trial. Your reputation may be tainted by false allegations. Right? Just as Juraj, an innocent man, it happened uh, with him. But trust Allah, Allah will declare your innocence. And that's what happened with Juraj also. If you think about it, he came out and he's not asking the woman that whose child is this? No, he's asking the child, Ya Babus. And Babus means a little child. So look at his trust in Allah, right? that he, that Juraj is talking to the baby, Oh Babus, who's your father? I mean, would anyone do that? Would you ever go to a baby and say, who's your father? You know that the baby is not going to talk. But this was a miracle. Juraj, you know, trusted Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala declared his innocence. So what we understand from this hadith is that even though you may be religiously committed, you are human, you will make mistakes and for your mistakes you will see consequences. Sometimes your image, your name may be tainted, but trust Allah Allah will purify you. Allah will bring you out of that trial as what happened with Juraj. But another important thing that we must realize is that realize when it comes to your religious commitments what is negotiable and what is non-negotiable. There are some things which are non-negotiable, meaning you can't even bring them up for discussion if you should do them or not do them. right? Like for example, as a woman you are hijab. Right? Or your salah, your fasting, right? These are things that are obligated on you. You don't have a choice about them. So, you know, don't compromise. Just as your fard salah, you don't break. So there are things that you cannot compromise on. But then there are other things which can be negotiated. You know, they can be compromised on. Like, for example, your nafila prayers, right? Or some other things that you do, like for example, if you, have, if you have a habit of fasting on Monday and Thursday, right? You can leave them sometimes if your family wants to go for a picnic, right? Or if they're 
doing a barbecue and you're the only one fasting and so you're ruining everybody's meal because they have to wait till they grill your meat, right? So realize what is negotiable, what is non-negotiable and then give your family what they deserve and uh, don't make your life and the life of other people hard. Don't make religion an excuse for making the life of other people difficult. And with that, inshallah, we will conclude today's class. Subhanakallahumma bihamdik. Ashadu wa la ilaha illa anta. Astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.